Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and this is an all-international show. I am chatting with people uh, all over the the world today, and so I am so excited to have my friend Carolyn Forrester back on the show. She is known for Quilting on the Go, and I've talked to her quite a long time ago, and since then, I think she's written a hundred or so books and has, tra- <laughs> and has traveled everywhere. So, Carolyn, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. It's really nice to talk to you again. So I'm actually funny over the over this way as opposed to face to face, which is how I usually see you. I know. Usually we catch up at the trade show and I've talked to you, you know, I've interviewed you there. So it's a lot easier. I think we maybe have even seen each other at Paducah one time when you were teaching. So I get about a bit or so it seems. Yes. So, you know, I am so excited because one of your, like, you know, zillions of books that you've written, which are all extraordinarily excellent, by the way. Thank you. you. You just put such great effort into them and their amazing designs. Um, I love the new one. It's called Handmade Quilt, a Complete Skill Building Sampler. Uh, and it's hand piecing, right? It's all hand piecing, yeah. I mean, a lot of the other books um, will do a bit of hand, mostly machine, just mm-hmm. because that's sort of the way that, I don't know, the industry or what the consumer wants. Mm-hmm. But um, with all the discussions, with all the teaching and things that I do, and that when I started, I hand pieced when I first learned, and it just transpired that talking to people, they'd say, oh, I'd really like to learn to quilt, but I don't have a machine, so I can't. Mm. And it was like people had completely, not completely forgotten, but hadn't right. remembered that actually you don't need a machine to start with or you can mm-hmm. use it parallel with hand piecing. So we thought we'd get all that out there again just to remind people. You know, I think that that is, you know, it's also <clears throat> kind of serendipity for me because I have been, I started out as a hand, learning to hand piece. That's how mm-hmm. I learned to quilt. And so I thought I need a hand piecing project. I haven't done one f- in so long, and then I got your book sent to me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Um, so, you know, one of the things with hand piecing is that it's a bit of a mystery, I think, for people who only use a machine. Um, tell me a little bit about, maybe just a little bit about what the, what's the difference, what's the process? I think the main difference or the, the thing that people find it hard to get their heads around if they're machine pieces, which I think mo- a lot of people are when they come to patchwork and quilting now, mm-hmm. um, is the thing that I always say is with machine piecing, so many times you always you will be sewing through the seam allowance, yet with hand piecing, the main difference, I think, is that you don't ever sew through the seam allowance. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's just like a sort of a technical thing that until they get started mm-hmm. and realize that actually they're, they're in their head, they've put up all these barriers to hand piecing must be really technically challenging. Mm-hmm. Where Actually, when you're starting and if you go through the process of drawing around the shape on your fabric mm-hmm. and the drawn line is the line that you're going to stitch, that's as simple as it is. If there's a line there, you stitch it. And if there isn't, mm-hmm. you don't. And I think once they start, and hence we started in a book with real simple projects and shapes and blocks, um, and they gradually just grasp that and it's all of a sudden they get that little epiphany moment. Mm-hmm. 
and I, and I know this from uh, so many girls over here or over there as well have got the book mm-hmm. and been stitching along and getting in touch with me through Facebook and through the um, Instagram and using the Instagram hashtag with it. And um, and so many of them said, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it now. Oh, I can see how. Yeah, I get it now. I can, you know, and um, but also I always think that the more techniques, you know, mm-hmm. it with all your processes in piecing because I think if you can get your head around the process of hand piecing when you're looking at a more challenging block on the sewing machine and piecing on the machine you've just got a better battery of knowledge with you and a better battery of skills to be able to approach just more interesting and challenging blocks I I totally agree because once you understand sort of the mechanics, I think that hand piecing takes you back to understanding how things are constructed so that then you have a better toolbox to go to more complicated things, which sometimes are easier by hand. Exactly. And also, depending on, because there's different approaches to the hand piecing um, as to how you cut your shapes and where your seam allowance is added, Mm -hmm. Um, you can actually rotary cut lots of shapes, which then meant if you felt that the hand piecing, you weren't going to go anywhere, because I use it really portably, Um, Mm -hmm. obviously you can hand piece anywhere, but if I've got the pieces cut and I'm at home, I'm like, well, actually, I could just whiz that up on the machine because it's already cut. The Mm -hmm. seam allowance is already in included so just depending on which sort of pronged attack you have but I think mainly with the way I teach it it's always you know groups we're just sitting sit stitching and that's just really nice vibe and I think people appreciate that difference with the process and the the way people chat more and just it's more meditative it's just got a nicer vibe in the classes so it's just nice to have all those options yeah, and, and that's what I'm looking for, Carolyn, is to have something I can sort of take along when I go to hang out with my girlfriends or I'm on the road. I, you know, I'm looking for a hand project and all of a sudden it clicked with me the other day. I should just take a piecing project. Um, and then, then I got your book and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. So you have the, the book is a sampler. So you get to go through a lot of different things. Tell me a little bit about curves because curves on a machine, curves by hand, they're, um, you know, being by hand, I think, I mean, to me, they seem easier. I think, I think with the, yeah, curves on the machine, um, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool with it actually, because I think if they're a generous curve on the machine, you're fine. I just use like this one pin approach. I only have, oh, okay. Yeah, um, pin at the end because I want to know it finishes right. Right. Happens beforehand. <laughs> um, but yeah, by hand, it is just a case of if I've got lots of curves, I will pin those. Whereas a lot of hand piecing, if they're straight lines, when I when you've done it a lot, you do find that you don't need to pin. And it is the same because you're actually holding the fabric in your hands as opposed mm-hmm. to having to put it into a machine. Um, things like definitely set in seams and curves and things like that you've just got a lot more direct control over the fabric that's actually in your hand and not through a a third party which in a way is what the machine right (laughs) a third party right i love that i love that term right (laughs) well you have you have gorgeous blocks in this sampler too so they're really skill builders and what you say but they go from a very simple churn dash to much more elegant blocks that have that have uh curves and they're it's just, it's a great, great 
project. I'm like, I'm looking at it thinking, there's one of the blocks, I don't know whether it's called the crown. It's sort of like a Dresdeny plate kind of a thing. Oh, I know, yeah, the Caesar's crown, yeah. Yeah. That- um, I mean, to be honest, the book, this sounds terrible, I'm going to admit this in public, was really self-indulgent because of all the in it, all the, especially the more challenging ones or the ones you don't mm-hmm. see so often. They're all just really favorite blocks and yeah. I actually made whole quilts with a number of those blocks anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes just making one's not enough. You need to sort of make more whole quilts worth. But yeah, Caesar's crown, that's a nice one. Um, it's, and again, it's, it's to do with the coloring. It's why you want to make more. Um, so it's nice just to have a sample of it in the, in the, um, in the book to get, mm-hmm. give people a taster. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm sort of leaning towards that one. That might be, you know, what I, uh, oh, have a <laughs> Actually, I don't know whether I should say this, but I think I can. I did a whole quilt with that block that's going to be in the Today's Quilter magazine um, in the UK um, and Festival of Quilts that we've got that coming up in the UK in August. Um, And so I think that that quilt features heavily with the Caesar's crowns. Hopefully that will get more people thinking that, you know, those are not difficult blocks, but ones that just offer you a little bit more of a challenge, really. It, It gets you going. So will you be at the show in, um, was it later this month? The UK show, yeah. The UK show's in Birmingham. It's at the NEC um, Festival of Quilts. And that's, yeah, it's actually, I think, two weekends time. So for us, it's coming up pretty soon. Right. And after that, yeah, I'll be out in um, Houston again in the fall for teaching and um, March Festival there. So that'll be good. Very good. So uh, people can go to your website, which is your name, and your your last name is F O R S T E R Forster. Yeah, CarolynForster.co.uk, um, and you just put in your name, uh, and you also are on Instagram and Facebook, so people can follow along there. All, all the usual stuff. I mean, yeah. I must. My favourite thing is Instagram, and I know that feeds through um, onto my website and stuff. But yeah, yeah look, there's lots of information out there on those sites. You know, Carolyn, I just I'm going to have to send you pictures. I have to tag for the book. What's the tag for the handmade quilt book? It is literally hashtag the handmade quilt. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> easy. Yeah, hopefully I have to stop simple, yeah. You're really quite brilliant. Okay, so, well, Carolyn, thank you for um, making time. I know that you have a tight schedule, so I appreciate um, you being able to join me. No, it's great. It's always lovely to chat with you, Pat. Thanks for having me. This is Pat for American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to skip over to another country. Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Use paint to create a larger-than-life chalkboard wall in your sewing space. You can use it to keep track of current project information and shopping lists. Bonus, batting scraps work perfectly as erasers. Get six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. 
Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects, but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and now we have gone to another country, and we're over in Scotland. Can you tell? It was a fast flight. And uh, we're speaking to Joe Avery of My Bear Paw, and I am so excited, Joe, that I could catch up with you. And uh, we're going to talk for two segments so we can sort of dive a little bit into what you're working on. Thanks for being here. Hi, Pies. So nice to talk to you finally after so many emails. <laughs> I know. We've spent so much time emailing, and you're one of our Splendid Sampler 2, uh, book number two designers. Yes. And so, yeah, and you've been sewing along, so people have already been getting to to meet you that way. Um, uh-huh. So let me get a little backstory from you. Uh, do you have quilt makers in your family? Um, well, I do now because my sister um, is really into quilting too, <laughs> but uh, not when I was growing up really. Um, I grew up in London um, and my mother loved to knit and my sister did lots of dressmaking um, and she did actually teach me. Um, she's quite a bit older than me, so she was having her first uh, baby when I was 10 years old and she started to make a hexy um, English paper piecing, um, cock quilt, and I really wanted to do that as well so that's the first bit of patchwork I did I didn't really know about quilting Um, and then I moved up to Scotland um, when I got married um, and I I was quite young in my early 20s and I had started having a family Um, and um, in fact I'd already started um, as soon as I met my husband really I started um, um, (laughs) when I moved in with him uh, I really wanted to nest you know so I I went and bought uh, patchwork (laughs) templates and a lot of remnants and I started making this hexi quilt and that grew over quite a few years and by the time I got up to Scotland I um I you know I didn't know what to do with the top I had a top but I didn't know how to quilt it so I went to a local group and they were very kind and welcoming they're the Abbey Quilters in Kelso if anyone's listening from there um and really I owe them so much because not only did they tell me what to do next but they also introduced me to a rotary cutter um, oh, which just, you know, blew my mind, really. And uh, <laughs> I didn't know you could do things fast. I thought you patched right. was all ha- by hand, you know. <laughs> well, that is so funny because getting the right tools, um, you know, and having somebody, like, introduce you to the right tools early mm-hmm. on, 
So that is that is great. Was this like a guild that you found there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was the it was the local guild group. Um, uh, the the Quilters Guild of the British Isles is our big sort of traditional uh, guild here, and a lot of groups are allied with that. So they were, and uh, I joined the uh, Quilters Guild of the British Isles. I'm still a member now, um, and uh, I did a lot of. I got very into it. You know, I really got obsessed by it, and I started teaching the local uh, group and selling some wadding and fabric and things, very entrepreneurial always. But then I sort of drifted away from it. Um, I I guess I was busy running a business with my husband and I had two boys to raise. So I still made quilts, but I wasn't, yeah, I kind of got quite into art quilting. And then again, I just sort of, drifted away from it and really until I got till you know about 10 years ago really and I started making I was still making quilts for people's weddings and things and I realized that I could see the bottom of my box of fabrics oh so I had to yeah I know so I was like oh I'm I'm gonna have to buy some fabrics right so this coincided with me uh going on a visit back home to London and I was in Liberties and I saw K Facet fabric and Amy Butler fabric and nothing like this had been around in the early 90s when I first started you know you were just really using dressmaking fabric and things so um, I got very excited and really you know that got me I always say that I think a lot of quilters they start making quilts because they need an excuse to buy the fabric you know the oh, fabric that's, comes first that's, that's <laughs> absolutely I, I tell people all the time I quilt so that I can buy fabric because yeah I absolutely make, I used to <laughs> make clothing because I used to make clothing you know that's how I used yeah I did a bit but I was never very good at it so uh, but <laughs> I don't really like long seams like I don't like making yeah. curtains because yeah. it's oh. like a really long seam I like little seams yeah. <laughs> so you know you know you're a very entrepreneurial person and I think you know when I when we were you know sort of going back and forth because you've already run businesses besides what you know you're doing now you've had businesses prior were they yeah. were they creative businesses uh, yeah, we used to have a furniture business, my husband and I, um, and he's very creative. Uh, well, in fact, my first business was, uh, which I started when I was 21, um, because he had his own business. He was like a graphic designer and a photographer when I met him. And he's like, why don't you start a business? And I was like, well, all right then. <laughs> so um, he had bought me, knowing I really liked sewing still, uh, he bought me a, a tapestry kit, like a needlepoint kit for Christmas. Okay. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, there's not much to this. I think I could design these. And I had no idea what I was doing, but. I yeah. did start a business designing tapestry kits, which is still going now. We sold it, but it's still it's still uh, as a going concern. Someone's running it it's called Cleopatra's Needle, and I ran that for a number of years. And then um, you know we moved it up to Scotland with us, but, and I had the boys to look after. And my husband ended up running it, and it wasn't really what he wanted to do. So he started, we sold it, he started making furniture and that business got bigger and we ended up having a, a big, a couple of, quite a few shops which were showrooms for the furniture and we also sold interiors and gifts and, and that was really nice because you were buying stuff and you were merchandising it and I also designed kitchens for people because we we, uh, we sold, we made kitchen furniture so I used to do the, the kitchen design as well so I've always managed to find a creative element to everything I've done really yeah definitely I think that you know knowing like that that background you had was a store merchandising I can really see it in what you now have the photos I see of your shop and the photos of your photo your photography that you do I mean oh, you yeah. have a really nice you're very it, they're very pretty to look at they're um 
you know, you have a beautiful style to what you're doing. Um, I love all that bit. I love the, uh, you know, not just making the patchwork, but then how you photo- photograph it, how you kind of tell the story. I think that does come from that sort of visual merchandising. It's a, it's a really important part of it for me. So, you know, we, I want to talk a little bit about the type of quilts that, that sort of jump-started you back into really doing quilt making. Um, you know, do, did you blog right away? You know, were you? Did you start a website when you started sort of back in and you found those uh, fabrics that that you loved? Yeah, I mean, I, I started. I think I was probably making modern quilts, but I didn't really know about it. Oh. And I first <laughs> discovered. I didn't really know there were modern quilts. Right. Um, I discovered um, my first sort of quilt blog in two thousand and nine, and it was just a light bulb moment. I was like, oh, I didn't realize you could do this. You know, I, I hadn't really occurred to me that you could. You know, I felt kind of like quite isolated. I tried to go back to quilt groups, but they weren't doing anything I was really interested in. And they weren't really interested in my quilts. So when I discovered the blogs, I just was desperate to um, share what I was making. And, and also, I felt like I had all this knowledge and experience and none of my friends were really interested. I'm saying, yeah, I, I, pass, I want to you know, pass some of this on. So I, I started a blog, and it's just over nine years ago now. Got my teenage sons to help me do it. I'm sure they thought it was going to last a couple of weeks, not that I would turn it into a whole career. And I didn't really expect anybody to read it, um, but I just loved sort of making something and taking photos of it and then telling the story about the inspiration, how I did it, all of that. And I still love to do that now. I don't really, you know, obviously, I still really like to blog. A lot of people have just gone onto Instagram now, but I like to communicate a lot more than you can really do in Instagram. Mm-hmm. So if I've got a quilt, if I've made a quilt, I will always blog about it and, and with lots of photos and lots of stories. So, and I think what I really liked about the modern quilts was the sort of simplicity of them at the time. Um, you know, I, I do like a challenge. So sometimes I like to go into the, you know, more traditional field, but I would always do it with a modern aesthetic because I like that, those fresh, I like bright colors and I like the sort of clean lines and nothing too fussy and you know yeah so and and the, the sort of modern fabric that, that's around now yeah definitely that's what caught my eye <laughs> yeah that, you know and, and I just love how you've taken it because you do things that bring in a little bit um you know like you have you use floral fabrics you know you're not just limiting yourself to things that are um you know more oh, solid yes, or yeah. something like that. You, you bring in a nice mix of of fabrics too you know because we have two segments i'm trying to sort of time here how much Mm -hmm. we can talk about before we we have the break um just tell me how did you decide to open a physical location so i already had this shop but then the recession happened with the with the furniture business and everything so we you know really you know back in 2009 10 things were really sort of struggling we got rid of the factory we went down to one shop but it was still struggling and now i'd got really back into the quilting and also all sorts of embroidery and crochet just crafting like crazy Mm -hmm. so um i thought well why don't we take part of this shop which is quite large and has to be stocked um and turn into craft studio so i did that now seven years ago go 
and it immediately took off. There was big demand locally to be taught these things because no one else really doing it. And because of that, I started to stock the fabrics and the yarns and everything that people needed for the classes. So mm-hmm. that's really, and then, then we moved to somewhere that's just for, got rid of all the other stuff we did. And now we have a large studio um, and a small shop at the front. I'm very rarely in the shop. I kind of done retail in about 15 years. I've done all the retail I want to do. So I only go to cover holidays, really. Um, I, I teach there at the weekend, Saturday, Sundays, um, in the evenings as well sometimes. Otherwise, I really work from home. And I've got a great girl, Jane, who, who runs the shop for me. She's amazing. Right. It's, it's lovely to have somebody who can run it. You know, that is... Oh. I just could if she ever leaves, I'll just shut down because I can't do it with her without her anymore. <laughs> okay, so we have to give a huge shout out to Jane who's in the shop working today. Yeah. You can find her on Instagram. She's Quirky Bird Makes if anyone wants to find her and say hi Jane. <laughs> so where exactly is the you know, what is the location of the shop? So if people are visiting it's, um, it's in central Edinburgh, uh, and the area of Edinburgh is called Tollcross. It's very, Edinburgh is a small city, so it's like 15 minutes walk from, you know, the Prince's Street, the absolute center of Edinburgh. It's very, very easy. And 15 minutes walk from the train station. So we're, we're really, really central, but you can still park there for free at the weekend. So it works quite well. Um, and you can have a look at the website. It's mybearport.com with the directions and the address and everything there. We do also have an online store as well. So we don't have everything online, but we have quite a lot. We do a lot of fabric bundles where we put together our own fat quarter selections. So you can find those online and, and, uh, and shop even if you don't live in Edinburgh. <laughs> right, yeah, because people go on vacation. When, you know, quilters are on vacation. They want to find... Mm. A store. We get a lot of tourists. Yeah, yeah. We get a lot of tourists these days and a lot of people that have found me on social media and really want to come to visit the store. So if you ever come in at the store, please say hello and ask to see the studio. I have all my quilts hanging in the studio. It's just behind the, the store and you can go and have a look there and it's like a little exhibition. So please come oh. in and say hi if you're in town. That is awesome. Okay, so what we're going to do, Joe, is we're going to take a little break. And then we'll come back and talk about some of the other things that, that you're doing. Um, and so this is um, Pat Sloan for American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. We'll be right back. Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Cut leftover binding into one and a half inch long pieces and use them as leaders and enders. Hi, I'm Jody Sanders, Group Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash 
million pillowcases. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and I am talking to Joe Avery of MyBearPaw.com from Scotland. So, Joe, I want to talk a little bit about um, the type of things that you teach, because you're primarily a teacher and, uh, you know, like you're a designer and a teacher, but what kind of things can people come take workshops about? Uh, well, we do. We do do a lot of patchwork and quilting, and I do beginners patchwork, you know, every term. So, because actually, not a lot of places will teach beginners. So, I like to teach the beginners. I like to get them going, you know, Avery trained, as some of them say, um, and uh, <laughs> and then hopefully they'll go on and do some other classes. And we have a wide range of patchwork classes. If I do a quilt for a magazine, I'll often turn that into a class if it's a popular one. Um, I also teach free motion quilting, which is a very popular class, um, and. I also do, we also do embroidery. I do some and Jane does some as well. And we do kind of hand, hand patchwork. Um, I used to teach crochet, which is very hard to teach. I've handed that one to my lovely Jane now. Jane does the crochet. Uh, (laughs) And, um, we also do, we also have guest teachers coming in. So I have a wonderful bag making lady, Naomi, she does classes. Um, Karen Lewis, who's uh, one of my kind of best friends in the quilting world. She's coming up to do some, um, screen Printing, um, and if anyone's in town, like we had Krista Hennebury earlier this year came. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. and she came to teach at the shop. So I will, I will organise stuff. If, if people coming up and they're visiting our modern quilt guild, then they'll come along. So we do a wide range of, of sewing, really. Um, well, you know, that's why I was seeing a lot of your inside of your shop. You know, besides your pictures, when Krista was there, she was taking photos. She found an yeah. enormous bag of tea. I remember that. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, we had a lovely time together. We just didn't stop talking. We oh, actually talked. We talked together in Sweden a few years ago, so we've had quite a few, uh, t- you know, chances to hang out. We're good friends. Yeah. So, give me a tip that you um, share with your your new quilters, uh, people who are just learning. What do you What do you find that really sort of um, helps them? Um, well, I tell you, I'm going to give you a tip for applique, and this was given to me by my friend Dolores, who's in Virginia, but it's a great way. I'm not a big fan of, I do a lot of hand applique, and I'm not a big fan of freezer paper. I find it's a bit fiddly, but you know, sometimes you want to get those creases already in your shapes. Um, so one thing that uh, Dolores showed me how to do was to get a piece of leather and to, I like to, I, I do a lot of leaves, leaf shapes in my applique, so this works really well for that. And what you do is you get a, um, a straight edge tracing wheel, or you can even use something like a Hera marker, and you run that along your seam allowance, you know, along your kind of quarter inch seam, or sometimes I use a bit less than that. And if it's if your if your fabric's on top of leather, it gives you this fantastic crease, much easier than uh, trying to press it, and then it's already there for you to turn it under. So that's my little tip for applique. 
Wow. And I'll tra- I'll do I'll do an English translation, American okay, English. Yeah. App- she's talking about applique. Yeah, yeah. I think you've probably figured that out from the whole sequence of that. But occasionally I get people going, What was she talking okay, about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you have no idea. <laughs> I think you probably say you, I think Americans actually pronounce it more correctly because obviously it's a French word. So, and I think a French would say applique, and I think for some reason the uh, the English we uh, emphasize a different syllable, so we always right. say applique. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. If it's only said once, people are like, "What was that?" You know. Yeah. But- <laughs> Oh goodness. Okay, so so let's switch gears like one a little bit. So you've um been sewing along with the splendid sampler. Uh you what has excited you about that project our project? Well, it's lovely to work on these little small blocks because they don't t- take very long and you can get quite a few done in the session. And I've loved the different techniques. There's been some beautiful applique, um, the little elephant that we did, and there's a wonderful bird coming up, which I think is my favorite so far. Um, and then we've done some English paper piecing that got it appliqued on. And then there's been some all sorts of other, you know, really quick and easy ones and, and other ones which are a little bit fiddlier. And I just love that range of techniques. I'm very easily bored. So I like to try something new all the time. Ah, you know, that, that is, I think, the biggest um, part that, that I like is that there are so many things to try and that people are just jumping in who, you know, yeah. even that the designers, yeah, even the designers that are sewing along, some of them are like, I've never tried this because, yeah, we I just think, that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think if a lot of designers have a particular thing that they focus on, so they don't really do the range of techniques. Whereas I think you do a range because yeah. um, teaching is one of your primary things. So you, oh, yeah, up- so you, and you've always got to come up with new classes. So you're always right. trying something new so that you can think, well, could this be a class? You know, that's sort of, uh, I think maybe that's why, but also just because I do. Yeah, I am very easily bored and I like to just do a little bit of everything. And I see something, I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do this, you know. So, yeah, I have to. Because, you know, now quilting is like my job. My hobbies are like embroidery and crochet. So (laughs) as long as I'm doing something with some stitches, I'm okay. Okay, so to wrap up, I have to ask you a fun question. Um, (laughs) I understand that you have a a want that... uh, to add to your family you uh you have like like they mini donkeys is this what you're hoping yeah. for yeah that's right i think i mentioned this on instagram when it was one yes. of these uh, you know three facts nobody knows about you and one of them is that i really want to have miniature donkeys one day um when i retire which you know may be a long way off still um the plan is that i would get I, i've got uh, we live somewhere where i've got seven acres so we have lots of space right. um and I, I don't want to get just one because they need a friend oh, and i was originally wow. just going to get donkeys but then i really I saw these miniature donkeys, and they're not actually bred to be miniature. They're a proper breed that came from comes from some uh, islands in Italy, um, and so they're you know quite healthy to have. And they are the most adorable thing. So Google miniature donkeys, and you will be like, oh my god! So I'm going to get two of those, and I'm just going to devote my life to caring for them. Really, oh, there you go. <laughs> Okay, so everybody has to start following Joe, Joe Avery of MyBearPaw.com to see when her dream pet arrives, yeah. uh, which may be running around her shop in Edinburgh. So well, just, I don't know about that. I, I'm right? not promising that. <laughs> well, Joe, thank you for joining me. This has been wonderful. 
It's been lovely to talk to you, Pat. Thank you very much for asking me. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. We're going to take a break and we're going to skip to another country. We'll be right back. Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Secure the tool used to change your sewing machine foot to the side of your sewing machine with a hook and loop dot. It's always at hand when you need to make a foot change. We know our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. And I am wrapping up my all international show with Gail Pan from Australia. So Gail and I had to coordinate because the time zones are quite a big difference. And so it's her morning and it's my evening. Hi, Gail. Thanks for being here. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. So are you wide awake? I'm hoping. I am. Yes, I am. (laughs) I've been waiting for your call. Oh, that's fabulous. You know, it's, uh, we've talked before, um, and I think we did it in person when we were at the show. So this is, um, you know, a lot more fun to catch you, catch you on location at home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, so, it is fun. So, you know, Gail, you've been writing, uh, you, you're a fabric designer and you are, you know, an author. So your latest book is what I thought we could, we could chat about because it's kind of one of your newest things is called Patchwork Loves Embroidery. Two. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, Tell, this is with Martin Gale. So tell me a little bit about what's what's in the book. Okay, so in my new book, Patrick Loves Embroidery 2, I have lots of new projects um, with some new motives this time. So I've got some bees, a bike on a cute little pouch, and a bunny. And going also to the usual things I do, and there's a bird in there and um, houses. So... Yeah, I just love to embellish lots of table runners and bags and quilts, so they're all in there. You know, I really like how you did. It seems like it's a little bit more patchwork. I know you often do both. You know, I mean, you you include them both, but in this one, I love how the patchwork really accents and helps. Um, you know, sort of make the project. Can you tell me about the one with the bee, like the bee skep? Because I just love that. Yeah, well, that one, um, I really wanted to do a bee-themed 
uh, wall hanging and um, I, I just wanted to be a little bit different. So I've actually appliqued the bee design to the black fabric and then appliqued the, the scallop outline, sort of a, I think that's what you'd call it, onto the other background fabric. So it's actually all put together with appliqued. The only sewing is, is the binding. Oh, you know, the, it's sort of like a frame. It's sort of like a scalloped frame that you put it in. So it just looks, the idea is so cool. But what you've done a lot of, Gail, is all of this sort of external, um, quilting through the layers. Uh, is, do you normally do that? Yes, that, that's actually, the quilting is one thing I really love to do. And I just think it gives an extra element to all of my designs. So I use a perlite ecru thread and do the hand quilting and it's quite relaxing and it just, just gives something extra, I think. I just love that because it's actually not blending in. So you have like a black fabric and you have the cream, um, you know, stitching. So you can really see it. Uh, how, you know, is there a particular batting you like to use is to, because you're doing this by hand? Yes, I'm doing it all by hand. I just use a cotton um, batting that's in it. So it's a thin cotton batting. It's not a very thick one. Mm-hmm. And, yep, just use a thimble on my right hand, which I sew with, and no thimble underneath. And, yeah, I like the stitches to show because I think that becomes part of the design then. And are you using a hoop at all? These are fairly small. I only use a hoop for embroidery. So when I'm quilting, I actually don't use a hoop at all. Okay. So I just have it on my lap. Just just on your lap. I like that. I'm I'm not <laughs> very I'm not very good at hoop scale. I don't know why. I need a lesson next time I see you for embroidery in a hoop. Will you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I get very dysfunctional. Um, tell okay. So <laughs> I know true confessions. Uh, so. <laughs> So you you are so well known for embroidery. Let's let's give a little t- uh, tip for for uh, embroidery. What about transferring? Because I think people get a little nervous that they won't be able to cut cover up when the drawing that they've made. What do you do? Well, my be- my best tip for embroidery is when you're tracing the designs, you don't need to trace all of it. So. Any dash lines you can either leave off or just put little dots where they are and that way you're not so stressed about covering them. Also when there's things like lazy daisy loops, Mm. I just put a dot where I want to start Mm. and then if the loop doesn't quite cover where it's supposed to go, it doesn't really matter because you've only put a dot there. Oh, now that's excellent. That is excellent because those are hard to cover up. Yes, they are. And, and the good thing about doing that is it's also quicker to, to trace mm-hmm. and you're not spending a lot of time hunched over your tracing, whatever you're using for tracing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot quicker. So what type of pen do you use? Do you, or do you use a pencil? What do you, what do you mark with, you personally? So per, personally, the, the best type of pen that I like to use is a brown micron or pigma pen. Mm. Um, they're a very... I think the one I use is an O3, so it's very thin, and you just want to trace very lightly. You don't want to press too hard, and mm-hmm. just get a light line on the on the background fabric. 
Okay, and then because you're also not fully tracing everything, you're kind of giving yourself marking points when possible. That also reduces um, the amount of points, you know, yep, that you yep, right. yeah, that yep. you have to cover. So, what color thread do you usually stitch in, or does it vary greatly? It, it does vary greatly, depending on what I want to be making or what I'm making it for. Um, my favorite color is blue, so I do oh. do a lot of blue. <laughs> and I love variegated threads. Variegated oh. threads are my favorite. So ah. um, blue, red variegated, and then very occasionally I will use a lot of colors in the design. But I do like to stick to a variegated. I just love the look. Yeah, you know, I haven't stitched lately with a variegated, and they really do. They sort of sparkle, don't they? They have that color that goes across. Yeah, that that's just, I don't know, just, I love it. I yeah. just love the look. <laughs> now, one of the things you put in your book, um, and this one is a sewing keeper, and I think that that is super clever. This is to keep to keep the project in? Yes, that's right. So the sewing keeper has got a sewing-themed embroidery on the front, but when you open it up, it's got some pl- plastic, you know, the soft plastic inside with some zips, so... I can actually zip up the pockets, but I can see what I've got inside. So it's yeah. really handy, really yeah. handy. Yeah, that is nice to have them zippered up because I've done some where, you know, like in there, yours is flat. So it's, it's, it's a pretty good size that you can fit it all in there versus me. I shove it in like baggies sometimes. It's a little small. It's like a, yeah, it's sort of a, a, a baggy but with a zip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So because you, you travel to teach, um, you know, do you, do you go just within Australia or how do you, how do you go about your traveling? So um, I do travel a lot to the U.S. So every time I go to Quilt Market, I try to do some teaching, which I've, I've just done on my recent trip. I also do teach a lot in Australia as well. And um, travel to different states, and but then I'll travel locally in my own state and do things for shops and organise my own events as well. And where are you at in Australia? I'm in Melbourne, okay. which is in Victoria, which is the very southern point of the, the mainland, basically the very southern capital city. Mm-hmm. And I just love it here. Yeah. Oh, I've not been to Australia yet. I'll say yet. That's <laughs> we can put that on the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you know, when you're traveling, Gail, do you ever have something funny that happens? I know all teachers have something, but you know, has there been like one that sort of sticks in your head? Well, I do have one. It's not when I was teaching. I was actually on holidays, and oh. um, the late I was stitching. I always take my stitching everywhere with me. And I was working on a new project when a lady came up to me and asked if I was stitching on a Gail Pan design. <laughs> and I, I didn't know what to say. I was like, um, I actually, so it was a little bit awkward as I yeah. told her I actually was Gail. And um, <laughs> the funny thing was we had spoken on the phone and I was booked to teach at her guild. So I knew who she was. So we, we had a bit of a laugh about that. Oh, that is so yes. funny. So she didn't she didn't recognize you really, probably looking at your work and not actually at you since I Yeah, heard. and we hadn't actually met in person or we'd just spoken on the phone. So um I had a bird on the new design and I think my bird's quite distinctive and that's what mm-hmm. she recognized. Oh. So Yeah. <laughs> 
it was a little embarrassing and funny at the same time. So. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Now, she had a story to go back and tell everybody. Say, like, guess That's what? That's right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So stories you, are good. Is it, yeah, stories are good. They're fabulous. Now, you also design fabric. Uh, what is coming out next for you? So my new um, fabric is Home Sewn. It's for Henry Glass, and it will be in stores in November. So I've got some strike-offs, and it's been shown to all the shops, and I'm hoping to get some to work with in October. But November it will be in stores, and it's a bit of a sewing-themed um, fabric coordinates. The, the, there is a panel. So the panel's got some homes on it, some houses, and the coordinates, the little scissor prints and little hexagon prints and um, things that go in with the sewing thing. So I'm very excited. You know, I saw one of the designs you gave like a little sneak peek. It has little bitty scissors, right? Yes. It's so cute. Yes. And it has like, what did it have, like leaves or little flowers? It's, It's sort of like a little cross leaf so you've got oh. a little cross with leaves on the end and then the alternate is the scissors so um i was thinking actually i could make a skirt it looks oh. so cute yeah that would be darling do you make clothing not a lot because my mum's a dressmaker so oh. i tend to give them to <laughs> ask her if she was mom can you make this for me please right <laughs> I need that. My mother doesn't sew. I need a, I need a friend to make me clothing. That would yes. be fun. I've, uh, it's handy. It's, it's handy. handy. Yes, it's very handy. <laughs> now, you know, because you are traveling, I know that a lot of people like to sort of be on the hunt for something. Uh, do you have like a favorite thing you look for? Yeah, I do, unfortunately. And oh. often- <laughs> Things I just have too many of them. <laughs> so, as well as going to quilt shops when I travel, I love to go to antique malls or antique shops. Mm-hmm. And I like to keep an eye out for vintage sewing things like spools or buttons, scissors, and sometimes little antique sewing boxes or vintage sewing boxes. So, I've got quite a few of those in my collection. But in my new book, I put a project in there to show some of those vintage sewing items that I've collected. Oh, how neat. Oh, how neat. Gail, this has been so much fun. I really, I really love being able to catch up with you. Thank you. I love talking and chatting to you all the time. You know that. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. Everybody can visit Gail at gailpandesigns.com. I'm Pat Sloan for American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. You can visit me. Come to my Facebook group, Quilt Along with Pat Sloan, and visit the magazine at allpeoplequilt.com. Hi, all, and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.